Hello everyone and welcome back to the True North Podcast. I'm your host, Benedict Rhodes. Here on episode 12, the first episode of 2024, I'm joined by Mike Bodnerchuk, the co-chair of the Board of Directors for Ski Jumping Canada. Throughout our discussion, we'll talk about the rise of Canadian jumpers, Abigail Strait and Alexandria Lutit, examine some of the funding and facility availability issues that the organization has been facing, talk about the potential for growth in the sport in the years to come, and much more. It's a discussion that I hope you will find both interesting and informative. Now, over to my chat with Mr. Mike Bodnerchuk. I'm joined now by Mike Bodnerchuk, the co-chair of the Ski Jumping Canada Board of Directors. Mike, thank you so much for taking the time to join the show. Hey, Benedict, my pleasure. Um, yes, no, first things off, it's been a successful few years on the slopes, I guess, for, for ski jumping here in Canada. And uh, you, of course, have played a role in that, but I know your 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 day job, if you will, is, is a, a television producer and a director. So how did you get involved with Ski Jumping Canada and, and why and when did you get involved with Ski Jumping in Canada? Well, I would say nine times out of a 10, the, the, the people that make it to the board of directors on Ski Jumping Canada have a similar backstory. My my daughter, when she was nine years old, attended a, uh, a summer camp at... Uh, at uh, Calgary Olympic Park, as it was known then. She came, I picked her up one day and, hey, honey, how was your day? Oh, it was great. We did uh, Euro bungee and we did rollerblading and we did ski jumping and you're going to get a letter. I say, what? What are you talking about ski jumping? Because this was the middle of the summer, you have to keep in mind. And uh, sure enough, uh, they had set up a 10 little meter jump and the kids had some gear and they went off it as kids do and they had a blast. And two weeks later, we got a letter uh, inviting us uh, to try ski jumping, uh, the Altius Nordic Ski Club. Uh, the letter said, you know, your daughter tried ski jumping. We think she's coachable. She has athletic ability. Why don't you try us out for two weeks? And if we like each other, we continue it. So that was uh, 16 years ago. My daughter went on to become a member of the national team. And, uh, you know, when the jumps closed in Calgary, that was a turning point for her athletic career. She decided that that was a sign and she should uh, go to university, which is what she did. But I'm still here. And uh, in, in your sort of uh, role as the co-chair of the board of directors, what do you, what does your role kind of entail and, and uh, how involved I guess, are you in the sport in this country? Well, you know, anybody who's involved in any sport at a national level will tell you that it's a, it's an arduous task. There's so much paperwork and filings to be done, uh, overseeing budgets, satisfying funders, trying to find more money from sponsors, dealing with coaches and contracts, uh, dealing with the athletes and making sure that they're in a good frame of mind to do the, the best that they can do. It's a lot of work. Uh, my predecessor, Todd Stretch, uh, I think he either cloned himself or he grew six more arms during the night to be able to do all the work. Uh, I share the role with Kelly Johansson. Uh, she has a similar story to me where she had athletes in the program and you know she couldn't escape. And so we decided to share the program. Just uh, she's busy with her own day job. Uh, and really, it, it is a very time consuming task, but we love it. So we're still in it. Um, just heading into you know, the next uh, little bit here, the next couple of weeks, we have the Youth Olympic Games coming up with, with a, a young young jumper from Calgary, Tarek Van Weeren, uh, heading to the Winter Youth Olympics in, in Gangwon, South Korea. Uh, how big is this opportunity for one of Canada's young, young national team jumpers? And, and what can you tell us about this talented young man? Well, Tarek's a, a great example of uh, somebody who came into our program when it was on the cusp of not being a program and was able to 
uh, prove his determination, grit, and talent, and uh, manage to do what it takes to, first of all, qualify for the, the Youth Olympic Games. And to do that, he had to get fist points. And to do that required a lot of travel on his part to go train uh, where there are jumps, where he could get the experience uh, competing in that level. So uh, the, the chance to go to Korea and represent Canada at the Youth Olympic Games is a tremendous opportunity. He's super excited. We're very proud to have him. And I just think he's a great example of, you know, if you stick to your guns and you're committed and you've got an ounce of talent, you'll you'll get places. You mentioned, you know, he's, 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 a, he's a young guy, still only 16. Um, and you said, you said he kind of joined at the time when the, there's a bit of up in the air, I guess, with, with ski jumping in, in this country. And uh, how important is it to him to have, have had these kind of role models, I guess, a few years older than him and, and Abby Strait, Alex Lutit, uh, a bit older, but Mackenzie Boyd close as well. Like how important is having these role models for someone like him? Well, I think for any young athlete in any sport, you know, we all want heroes to look up to. And uh, even for our current athletes, each of them, if you were to ask them, they also had heroes in their own time that they aspired to follow in their tracks, literally. I think for Tarek, you know, uh, Mackenzie has been a great role model for him in terms of his uh, steadfastness and sticking to it and his successes over the years. Of course, the pool in men's ski jumping is, is far vaster than it is for, for the ladies, not taking anything away from the ladies, because uh, in the last seven or eight years, uh, the quality and the, the quantity of female athletes has has astronomically risen. So, but for, but, but for Tarek, you know, it's wonderful to hear that he was inspired by our current team and he wants to, to do us all proud and, and continue on his own journey. Um, I, I watched an interview with Tarek with uh, with Global News in December, where he mentioned that the the Olympic bronze medal, of course, in twenty twenty two in Beijing was kind of a, a major motivating factor for him. Um, how much of a turning point was that for the sport in general in Canada, and and how often did you hear similar stories to that? Yeah, I mean, winning the medal obviously was a, a huge deal. It was historic for our club for ski jumping, the very first medal ever. Uh, so it was wonderful and thrilling to watch. And for young kids, you know, it's it's thrilling for them to see that it's possible. It's possible to achieve your dream. And so that's been an amazing thing. The medal uh, was a turning point for us in terms of funding. Prior to uh, that medal, we were not funded by OTP because we didn't meet their criteria to get funding. Once we won the medal, that changed the, the picture and we became what they call a targeted sport, which meant uh, we went from no funding. We didn't have any funding from on the podium prior to that medal. And now we do get some funding. Uh, that being said, of all the medal winning sports that uh, winter sports, we're the lowest. We get the lowest funding from OTP. We're grateful for what we get, don't get me wrong, but, uh, uh, and we'll talk about this more in a minute, but, you know, it costs a lot of money to run a program like ours, and we're constantly looking for more. Um, and, and in the wake of, of winning the, the medal in, in Beijing, how have youth numbers been affected at all? Obviously, the, the Calgary jumps closing a few years ago took a hit in that regard, but um, I guess in, in, in the wake of that medal, how, how have numbers changed at all? Well, we have to go back to when they, they closed the jumps here in Calgary. Calgary was the epicenter for ski jumping at that time in Canada. We had uh, as small as a 10 meter jump up to the, the big 90 meter jump. Uh, when they closed, that basically completely killed and cut off our pipeline at the grassroots level. When you're an elite athlete, you can always go places and train on the big hills. But when you're young and just learning, you have to start off on these development jumps. And suddenly we went from having this, this facility to going from nothing. And, uh, you know, if you're a parent of a kid who was in the program 
and the future is uncertain. If you don't have a pathway looking forward, like how is my kid going to progress? You know, you're going to look for alternatives. And sadly, you know, many parents were forced to make that decision and steered their kids elsewhere. We do have a core of hardcore kids that just love the sport. And despite the, the odds that were thrown against them, they stuck with it. Um, we have young coaches as well that decided to help out. Um, you know, they ended up building a temporary jump in the Inland Athletic Park in Northwest Calgary, uh, which is lovingly referred to as the dump jump because it's built into the side of a hill by a landfill up there. Um, and it's a hand-built thing, but you know what? Kids are kids and they love hucking themselves off anything, right? And I really have to hand it to this young core of kids that decided to stick with it and our coaches that made it fun and uh, a growing experience for them. And, you know, uh, the success of our athletes you know, lately, which has been incredible. And I know we'll talk more about that. Again, it shines a spotlight on the sport and shows these young kids that there is a way forward. You can achieve success just like, like the athletes uh, on the national team. Um, that being said, uh, we do have a development club. Uh, or there is a club in Squamish, the Sea to Sky Club, and they have a, a core of athletes there. I think they have upwards of 20 or 30 kids out there now, maybe more. I don't know the exact number currently. Uh, they have a 20 meter and a 40 meter jump out there that is operational in the wintertime. Um, hopefully uh, we did send plastic out there from the jumps here in Calgary and they might be able to use that. For your viewers that don't know, a lot of people might think that ski jumping is a winter sport. And of course it is, but it is a year round sport. So in the summertime, uh, the tracks in the in the in run are made of porcelain lubricated with water, and then the athletes can leap off that and land on carpet, a fiber carpet, which is lubricated with water too. So that makes it a, a year-round training uh, facility. And we had that in Calgary. Uh, they don't have that in Whistler. So a lot of people think, oh, why can't they just go to Whistler? Well, they can't because they don't have plastic on the jumps there. But in Squamish, they do. Uh, we also have a relationship with a club in Red Deer at Canyon Ski Resort. And again, we've uh, through an agreement with them, we've been able to build a 20 and a 40 meter hill there. They make snow and they maintain uh, the snow out there. So in the wintertime, that's great. Our athletes go up there quite regularly and they train. Um, in addition to all that, our provincial coaches are very active in arranging um, extra country uh, training trips. So frequently going down to Park City in Utah, going to um, uh, the one in uh, Lake Placid in New York. And also we have relationships with Hills in Slovenia, the epicenter of ski jumping where our national team is located. And we can talk more about that in a sec. And also Poland. So we have training camps in the summer for these young kids. And uh, again, Tarek was part of that program and he made full use of it. And he was able to get points at a fist competition and thereby qualify for the youth Olympic games. And I, I take my hat off him, off to him and I wish him the, the best in a couple of weeks here. You mentioned the, uh, the surface, the, the, for the summer training, um, you mentioned how they don't have it in Whistler. Is it possible, assuming there's there's funding to make it happen, to update the, the course in, in Whistler and 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 turn that into a summer training facility if, if there's the money to do so, or is that something that has to be done when the when the jumps are actually built? Well, in Whistler, they do have a, a full set of jumps out there. Uh, when they originally were built for the 2010 games, they were meant to be temporary. And if you can believe it, the plan at the time was once the games were over, they were going to dismantle them and ship them to Quebec. Now, there was no money for that, and that never happened, and they're still there, and nothing has really been done to them. Um, you know, we, we have been trying to negotiate with uh, 
Whistler Olympic Legacy. They're the organization that operates the, the facilities out there, the cross-country trails and the ski jumps. Uh, it's expensive to open them up. So uh, over the last few years, we've only really opened those jumps up in the winter at Whistler for competitions. Last year, for example, we were able to uh, get funding and hold the, the, junior, uh, the junior games, the World Junior Ski Games, of which Alexandria Luted won the historic very first uh, world junior champion for, for Canada in ski jumping. So that was just an amazing thing. Um, but they don't have plastic there. So they're not able to train in the summer. Um, hence, uh, you know, turning our more attention to on the development side to Squamish and Sea to Sky and the facilities they have there. Um, you know, we, we said a lot about the, obviously the, the elite national team. Um, are, are there ways to boost funding for, for them ahead of the 2026 Winter Olympics or... or how much of that success, I guess, relies on, on them being successful individually to maybe get the attention of Own the Podium and get that increase that funding that way? It's a tricky situation with Own the Podium. I mean, we appreciate everything we get from them, obviously. Own the Podium, they will tell you themselves that they're not here to reward current performance. They're here to try and find future champions, and the money is to get people in, on the podium down the road. Uh, clearly, with Abigail Strait and Alexandria Ludit, we have two very probable medal contenders uh, on the ladies' side, which is absolutely thrilling and fantastic. Um, we're hoping that we're going to move over. This is an interesting arc. So as I said earlier, prior to the Beijing Games, we got no money from them. Once we got the medal, we became a targeted sport, and we're keeping our fingers crossed that next year we'll become a core sport, which will mean an increase in funding as well. Uh, the rest of our funding comes from Sport Canada. And sadly, uh, it's the same for us as it is for all the, uh, the the winter sports and summer sports, I'm sure, in Canada. There has not been an increase in level funding, funding levels from Sport Canada for like something like 14 years. So we're getting the same money uh, that we have in, in the past, and we're not very hopeful that that situation may change. We'll, hopefully, we'll get a little bit more from on the podium, but really to ensure uh, success down the road, uh, we're aggressively seeking sponsors. Sponsorship and uh, the funding from private sources is really going to be the key to letting us keep uh, the level of uh, competition that we've been able to achieve lately. And is it frustrating at all, I guess, to to see maybe in other countries, for example, the United States, where maybe the corporate world invests a lot more money into things like sports, maybe, maybe than there is in Canada? Yeah, I mean... I'm not really sure about the American situation at the moment. Uh, I, I thought that they did get an angel investor a couple of years ago, which really helped help them. Um, uh, they had a big, huge facility renovation in, in uh, Lake Placid, New York. I believe it was something like $30 million U.S., a facelift on all their facilities there, which is wonderful. That's a fantastic facility, and it's back in the, in the, in the mix in terms of a potential World Cup uh, location. So that's been a wonderful thing. Uh, we don't enjoy that 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 current well we don't have any sponsorship at the moment so we're aggressively going after that you know we're the little club that that can and does you know compared to like the behemoths in in europe and japan where they're they're sponsored up the yin yang by by big corporations and car companies and that's wonderful that's great for them uh they're able to have big big team support big coaches and, uh, you know, their performance reflects that. They, they do very well. You know, the, the Slovenians, uh, the Austrians, uh, the Germans, the Japanese, they have great athletes and a great training program, and they're doing very well. 
Um, I'm sure this is a conversation you've had, you know, many times over the years, but how do you try and sell the sport to someone who may be interested, whether it's an investor or an athlete or, or a coach or someone else, like what's your elevator pitch to them? You know, it's different for different people. Certainly let's start at the top, you know, right now, because we've got, uh, you know, our athletes, Abby and uh, Alexandria have won, have achieved out of the first eight competitions this year, they've hit the podium six times, six out of eight, you know, podiums. That, that's that's incredible. That's an incredible story. And it's very attractive to people. So uh, suddenly, you know, we're very, we're very attractive to potential sponsors. Suddenly we have people kind of, I wouldn't say coming out of the woodwork, but they have become much more interested in ski jumping. You know, those athletes have an incredible story. They've like literally risen from the ashes here in Calgary. Uh, we had to completely change their 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 training mod model. They 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 took it upon themselves to to move full time to Slovenia to Planica in Slovenia, where they live and train uh, daily. Um, that cuts our costs travel wise, but we increase the cost of being there. We have wonderful coaches. I mean, I really have to take my hat off to the coaches that my predecessor, Todd Stretch, was able to, to corral and get under contract, Yankos Witter and his team, fantastic. And they have managed to create an environment that our athletes believe in uh, wholeheartedly. Uh, ski jumping really is a mind game, right? That's so much technique, so much strength, but your mind has to be in the right place. And all those things have come together for athletes. And I think that's why they're, they're doing so well. Uh, at the grassroots level, everybody loves a hero. So uh, seeing those athletes do well uh, really is exciting for our young youngsters to show them that it's possible. Um, we have just hired a development manager. We managed to get a grant from the government uh, that does nothing to support the club, but it, we've hired a very talented uh, young man who's going to lead the charge. And his mission is to set up four new uh, ski jumping clubs across Canada. So that's his mission and he's going to be starting next week to get that going and that'll just increase the pipeline so we're hoping to get these clubs operational for next year we'll have an introductory set of days uh, over the over this winter we hope to get a new club going in bc uh one in red deer hopefully one in ontario and hopefully one in quebec and by expanding our pool of athletes obviously that increases our chances to getting athletes uh, coming up to the national level down the road but there's going to be a big gap, Benedict. You know, we have these we have these athletes now, which are wonderful, and it's not just Abby and uh, Alexandria. We have Nicole and uh, Natalie Eilers, Nicole Maurer and Natalie Eilers, and under our coaches, they've everybody has done well. They've all qualified for, for events. Nicole's having her best season ever, which is wonderful to see. Um, but yeah, we need more athletes. We need to get that pipeline filled because they're the future. And and. It is in difficult circumstances, of course, but how big of an opportunity is this to maybe kind of refresh, I guess, best practices and, and, and sort of, like you said, build that pipeline from the ground up and, and really kind of make sure you're getting it right this time? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, um, in order to have ski jumpers, you need something for the jumpers to jump off. A lot of people have misconceptions that you need to build a $100 million ski jump, and that's simply not the case. The key jump for any young jumper is the 60-meter jump. You know, they can huck themselves off the ski bumps and snow bumps, uh, but the 60-meter jump is where they truly learn to fly. So we need to get at least one of those operational in Canada, and we do have efforts behind the scenes to get that done. Um, I couldn't say anything about that right now, but... Uh, uh, we're working on that, let's put it that way. Um, getting these other clubs operational will be 
would be a big, huge help. And in the worst case scenario, they can continue the program of going down to the states. That's not that's not ideal, as you well know. Uh, every small town in Europe has got a ski jump, and that's why they're they're so good at it. And you know, it's like hockey rinks here; they have ski jumps there. And you know, if you have the facilities, if you build it, they will come. That's just how it works. I remember uh, at the time of the the unsuccessful, I guess, bid for the twenty twenty six Olympics to go to Calgary. There was some numbers thrown out, you know, like you said, $100 million, $70 million, whatever, to get these these facilities built. And I know you mentioned Todd Stretch. He, he kind of uh, said those numbers were maybe inflated uh, more than they actually were. Can you offer any insight into how much, you know, building a full new facility or, or renovating a new facility would have been? Well, that's, that's a good question. You know, it really depends on, there's a lot of mechanical structural elements involved. For example, if you build a freestanding jump, that's a lot different than having a, a hill profile that you can build the jump into. So, and I'm not an engineer, so I couldn't really say, but, but let's face it, to build a brand new ski jump won't be cheap, but it's not impossible. Um, you know, Lake Placid, they had existing facilities and they spent 30 million US to revamp them. You know, if we had $30 million, we could build a full new facility, I'm sure. And, uh, you know, we are having conversations with with uh, with people to see if that's going to be possible over the next year. And and how big of an opportunity would it be if Canada were to host a, a Winter Olympics again in the future? You know, I know 2030 had been mentioned, or maybe some other time in the 2030s or 2040s. Uh, how big of an opportunity would that be to, to really get a lot more funding in one one sort of swoop, I guess? Yeah, you know, Benedict, I just look back at the the 2026 bid and just kind of shake my head as such a humongous opportunity lost and lost because of, you know, misinformation and spin that was put on by the no side. That decision was made and we can't, you know, we can't uh, be rueful, too rueful about it. But, you know, winning an Olympic bid uh, costs money, but, you know, the federal government would have come in and the cost would have been so much more reduced to have facilities for the next 30 years. We got 30 years of use out of the Calgary games and uh, in a variety of sports. And sadly, none of the facilities that were at wind sport here in Calgary were properly maintained. And over time, uh, you know, the management there deemed them either too expensive or irreparable. So they, they're everything, everything that was an Olympic uh, sport at Canada Park is now closed and shut and shuttered. So every time I drive by there and I see that big ski jump with all those uh, cell towers poking out of it, making all that money for wind sport, I, I kind of shake my head as a lost opportunity. Um, any Olympic Games would be wonderful. It would, would uh, create these facilities for, for kids to use for, for a long time. And, you know, it just helps, you know, Canadian society in general for keeping people active, keeping them inspired. But here we are. Uh, and as a Calgarian uh, or someone who grew up in, in Alberta, what do you remember about Calgary 1988? Like just uh, either watching the games or, or the legacy of the games, like what are your kind of lasting memories of those Olympics? Well, it was thrilling. I mean, I went to a couple events myself. I went to the opening ceremonies and the closing ceremonies. Uh, the buzz in town was absolutely incredible. Everybody was so proud. The civic pride that that was everywhere about this is what we did and we hosted the world and the world came and as Juan Antonio Samaranch said that was the best Olympic games ever. And, you know, everybody's, I think that brought a tear to everybody's eye <laughs> when he said that. Um, and I think anybody that holds a successful, successful games would, would echo those sentiments. Perhaps the Vancouverites think the same way from their games. Um, 
I was very sad that we didn't get it personally because I was looking forward to to bringing it bringing the world to our city once again and showing them what we can do and seeing the very best athletes in the world showcase their sports. Um, this has been largely a bit of a depressing conversation, so I'll end off with some some positives, I guess, in Katie and Ski jumping to to finish the show. Um, we mentioned their names a few times. Alex Lutip, um, and Abigail Strait are are on fire at the moment, doing very very well on on the World Cup and, and World Championship kind of circuits. Uh, what can you say about these two young athletes and and you know what looks to be an incredibly bright future for both of them? Well, it's a tremendous story. You know, again, from the ashes of what was here to their new home in Slovenia, they are the postcard women for grit, determination, resilience. The program is given to them. You know, they're all the ladies on our team are very intelligent, very well-spoken, very determined. And to see them succeed, really, this is a testament to the work that they've put in and the belief that they have in themselves and the system. I have to take my hat off again, as I've said to the coaches, because they've created that environment for the athletes to learn, to learn from their mistakes, uh, to constantly improve and to get in the right mindset in a, in a competition environment and to not focus on the wrong things, but the right things. And I think all of those elements coming together has created an environment where they have been able to succeed. And let's just remember, I mean, Ali Luted just turned 20 last week. She was 19 and world champion, world junior champion, first World Cup for Canada. So it's an incredibly inspiring story. And the future is extremely exciting. I mean, the future has never looked better for, for ski jumping in Canada. Now we just need to get, you know, a, a financing and sponsorship funding model that will help us continue, uh, you know, for years down the road. We're looking at 2026 and 2030, you know, uh, and it's a very it's a very exciting time to be a ski jumper in Canada. And uh, what about someone like Mackenzie Boyd Close? You know, he's been around, I think, since Vancouver 2010. He, he's been sort of a, a staple in this, this program for a long time. How important is it to get someone like him who's maybe in this swan song of his career a little bit to, to be involved in this sport really long term? Yes, uh, Mackenzie's a wonderful person. You know, he's uh, he's at a stage of his career where he needed to take some time and do some introspection. And as every athlete does at some point in their career and, and figure out, do I want to keep going or not? So he took the winter off to to do that very thing, to, to contemplate, to re reflect, and to see what the future holds for him. Uh, we're hoping that he comes back, but we have to respect whatever choices that he makes. Um, uh, it makes a big difference in terms of our club model and not, you know, to have a, a male on, on the circuit. So we're hoping that our younger athletes, Tarek and, uh, you know, Mitchell, he's another young guy that uh, we're hoping that he can get fist points and, and continue his, his growth and climb that uh, one day soon in the coming years, they'll, they'll be uh, able to qualify for the men's national team and continue their journey. And uh, finally, you mentioned we're about two years away now from, from the next Winter Olympics. Uh, plenty of competitions between now and then, of course, as well. Uh, what are some of the plans and goals you and other stakeholders have, I guess, for these coming coming years? Well, clearly, we want to create an environment for our, the, our women's national team to continue on the arc that they're on. I mean, they're trending very positively. They're all in a good frame of mind. Uh, we just have to keep our fingers crossed. Uh, we create an environment for them where they can train safely and be healthy and grow and just continue what they're doing because they're doing all the right things. And uh, 
each of them would tell you that, you know, sure, I can be on the podium, but there's always room in ski jumping, there's always something to improve. So our goal as an organization is to, to maintain stability, maintain that environment for them to be in a safe, happy place where they can continue to do the good work that they're doing. Uh, it's challenging though, um, there's funding issues uh, because of our coaches' success, you know, other people want them. We have some of the best coaches in the world and other teams around the world would uh, roll over and die to get them as part of their team. And that's not lost on us. Fortunately, uh, our coaches are wonderful people and they fully believe in the program that, that they've helped create. And they love our athletes. They see the, the fruits of their labors. It's a good thing. So we just want to keep that ball rolling. Mike, it's been a pleasure to have you on the show and I really appreciate your time and insight. And let's do this again sometime. My pleasure, Benedict. Thanks again to Mike for joining the show, and thank you for listening to this first episode of 2024. If you enjoyed this episode, feel free to check out past episodes of the show as well, including conversations with Stephen Brunt, Devin Haru, Christine Girard, Nate Reich, and more. If you want to be the first person to listen to future episodes of the True North podcast and read all my written content, subscribe for free wherever you get your shows and at truenorthsports.substack.com. In the lead-up to Paris 2024 this summer, you can expect a ton of coverage of Canadian athletes all around the world. You can also follow us on Twitter at TrueNorth underscore sport and on Instagram and TikTok at TrueNorthSport. I've been your host, Benedict Rhodes, and thank you so much for listening.